And I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Grow on the Go. And you're also listening, maybe, I can't tell if the mic is picking it up or not, to the sound of my parents' house's house, parents's house HVAC. <laughs> that really soothing ASMR sound floating over the radio waves. Yes, forced air heating. It's Ooh. beautiful, which is problematic for me because I'm sweating. And, and the click, click, click of our doggies' toenails on the... Yeah, we've floor. got a whole soundscape going on yeah, for you we today. Do. We it's do. Really it's really carefully exciting. curated. Mm-hmm. It's what you imagine living in a three-bedroom house in Calgary would be like if you had a dog. It's very immersive. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Great. Well, I'm actually kind of excited about this podcast. <laughs> Normally, you're like, uh, normally I'm bored to tears. I'm kind of excited this time. No. I'm just like, I have to talk. No, this is something that my, um, so my dad was a lawyer. Yes. And a scholar. He was, he, you know, he pretty could pretty much wallpaper the garage with his uh his degrees. I don't know why he would, but and he that's could. but that's where he hung them. It was hilarious. Is it really? I he know. had an office. I know. Ridiculous, right? But no. And he loved to study theology. It was his hobby. He sure did. And he taught lots of um, adult um, classes. He um, was an alpha leader, and they always put, you know, the really challenging intellectual <laughs> people at my dad's table. Yeah. So one well, of the... And your dad wasn't an arguer, per se. Like, he he didn't go... He wrote contracts. He didn't, like, argue in court. No, typically. he wasn't a barrister. He no. was a solicitor. I yeah, didn't that's know they right. were different, but sure. They are. Great. Yeah. So he was he was that kind of lawyer. He wasn't a I object kind of lawyer. Well, I mean, he did go to court occasionally, but yeah, no. Primarily, he wrote, he, he wrote agreements and actually wrote, mm, or, or um, he and one other lawyer basically wrote the boilerplate arguments for the, or arguments, agreements for the oil and gas industry that are still used to this day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was, he was a kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Um, but um, I'm talking about him today. He's been gone for six years now. Really? And six years I now. know. And well, long before he died, he gave me a copy, a <laughs> hard copy, because, you know, I don't think a digital copy of this exists anywhere. Well, he insisted on never using a computer Yeah, he kind anything. of had a hate on for he computers. He sure did. But, um, he wrote this document called Evidence the Bible is a Divine Book, Why I Believe the Bible. Yeah. And there are 22 reasons. And they are very well researched and thought out. And I I think he, you know, kind of always wanted me to use it in my speaking and stuff. And I never really had a place where I felt like it really fit well. You know, when you're invited to a women's retreat and you're, you know, asked to speak on... Here's I don't know. why my dad believes in the Bible. <laughs> a book report by my dad. Uh, but I thought it would be kind of an interesting thing to talk through, and we might not get through all 22 reasons, and that's just fine. Um, but I thought it would be really good for um, people who want to grow on the go Yeah. to, to just think about. Because let, let's face it, there's a lot of things in the Bible that... 
are kind of hard to believe. A little unusual, being swallowed by a giant fish and hanging out there for a while. You know, How much oxygen is inside a fish? So, yeah. So And did there have to be? I mean, if it's a miracle, then did there actually have I to be mean, oxygen? I guess. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you have to... Either you believe in the paranormal, the supernatural, or you yeah. don't. Um, if you do, then really, there aren't... There are only a lot of limits. Yeah, you can take it in a lot of stride, yeah. But, I mean, then there are people who think that the Bible is full of contradictions. And often there are people who don't really know how to read the Bible, like how to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. Yeah, and you don't Mm -hmm. don't necessarily need to read it... um, What's chronologically? I was mm-hmm. I was dating a non-believer for quite a long time, and and I was like, <laughs> I remember saying to him like, well, you're not really supposed to read it like cover to cover, like start like somewhere in the New Testament, probably like Romans is is often mm-hmm. a good place to start if you want to get the gist. And uh, he goes, what kind of book is written to be started from the middle? It's not a book. It's several books. It's an anthology of books. <laughs> It's it's put together chronologically, but well, not it's kind of put entirely, together chronologically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's anyway. just let's just start working through this, and we'll talk about it and and see where it goes. So the first point he made is the Bible is the only book in the world that points to a life perfectly lived amid the grim grim realities and alluring forces of human existence. Mm -hmm. No other life claims to have been perfectly lived. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, in terms of of deities, certainly, like, if you've ever picked up Greek mythology, wow, what a rowdy bunch of of deities. (laughs) I I don't, I mean, certainly I don't know every uh, religion in the world, and I don't know what um, Muhammad's life was meant to be like. Um, but he was a prophet, right? Not mm-hmm. a deity himself. So there you go. And they also believe that Jesus was a prophet. A prophet, yes. Yeah. 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 But what a prophet. So that, I think that it, that does make the Bible in itself unique, is that it's talking about this one perfect life. And there really is no other religion that claims, or no other holy book that claims a perfect life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that in itself makes it unique. What about... I mean, you might not know, this. these are your dad's argument, but what about Joseph Smith um, from a Mormon perspective? Is the argument that his life was... Uh, no, no, he was also a prophet. Yeah. And he's, many of his prophecies have already been proved wrong. Well, Like, yes. for example, he prophesied that there was a man on the moon. I mean, there was, but he came back. <laughs> That's true. He, he didn't live there. Come from the moon. And when he made the prophecy, Neil Anderson or Neil Anderson, Neil, Neil, Anderson, Neil, Neil Armstrong, Armstrong hadn't been there yet. Um, secondly, it is the only book which renders the universe metaphysically intelligible. That is, it gives answers to a man's deepest questions about things as they are. It gives meaning to life. True. Metaphysically intelligible. You know, there's a reason I have a decent vocabulary. I grew up with this man. <laughs> well, and do you do you want to unpack the phrase metaphysically intelligible a little bit for our readers who might not be big word people? Sure. Maybe they're math people. Sure. Or... Why don't you have a go at it and I'll chime oh, in. I don't know that I can. Well, me- metaphysically is... Is, um... is beyond physical. It's, it's the, like, the... 
the spiritual, like the ego and the id, the soul, but not necessarily the soul. Like it, it speaks to things that exist but are not tangible. Okay. Right? I yeah. think. Yeah. I think. No, I think that's, that's right. And it, it does make those things make sense. True. Yeah, you're right. The Bible, um, uh, number three in his list of why I believe the Bible, because it is so obviously different from any humanly authored book, in many respects, the Bible is too profound to have been written by man. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is quite miraculous how the the story of redemption, of like creation and the fall of man and then redemption. And like... Is in a completely different book, technically. Is woven together so amazingly from the very beginning. Even the the in, in Genesis, after, right after the fall, right? An animal had to be sacrificed in order to cover Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. to provide clothing. Huh. Right? Like just let's think about that, the shedding of blood. Wow. You know? <laughs> and, and and that's just one example of so many examples. Yeah. Well, and the other thing to consider is the Bible was not written by one person. No. To get, as a writer myself, as a professional writer of eight years, um, I can tell you that to get... Do you know off the top of your head how many authors there I'm are? I'm going to get to that because it's one of the reasons. Great. To get that many people, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure which one it is, so I'm not going to look for it right now. Okay. All right. Um, next one is um, because even though the Bible was written... Ah, right here. Oh, great. Even though the Bible was written over 40, by over 40 different authors over a period of more than 1,500 years with writers being from a wide variety of occupations, training, and sophistication. Yet the text fits together in such a remarkable way as to make it obvious that there was one author overseeing the entire project. Truly the, the greatest of God. The greatest project manager. Um, yeah, it, to get 40 writers to hit the same basic plot points and motifs mm-hmm. in their writing would be impossible. And unless they, it's holy. And they didn't even, like most of them, didn't even know each other. Right? right? Yeah. Like, and they were from different countries and different times. Yeah. And... Here's a question mm-hmm. that I don't know the answer to and you might not know the answer to. Who compiled the Torah, which is the Old Testament, right? No. Well, no. Actually, the Torah is just the uh, law and the prophets. So it would have been... You know what? I'm going to back down on that because I'm not, not really sure. Gotcha. Okay, that's fine. There's the Torah and the Talmud. So, mm, yeah. yeah. We don't know. We don't okay. know. We're that's not cool. Jewish. We're Sorry. not Jewish. We are not. Um, yeah. And at what point, like, at what point did some of these people see, like, had Mark writ, read, read, had Mark read, like, Exodus. Well, I mean, I'm sure he knew the story, mm-hmm. but had he read Exodus or oh, like oh, I'm kings? Yeah, I'm sure that the um, the Jewish people of the New Testament, the men, probably yeah, not the, the women, men, probably not um, the women. would have been trained. They that's what bar, the bar mitzvah is. That that's you're called true. to the law, and so um, that's when they, you know, yeah, a religious yeah. education was important. Um, but and I kind of doubt that this is in here somewhere. Um, another important thing is the role that women did play in the Bible, because I can almost guarantee you no author of the time, especially if it was fictional, would give important roles 
to women the way Christ had. Yep, that's uh, exactly right. Like Mary as Jesus's mother um, and the purity of her heart, or Mary Magdalene, uh, or Mary and Martha. A lot of Marys. Mm-hmm. Um, even even in the Old Testament, Miriam. Um, Saving her son by putting him in a basket. Of Saving reeds. her brother, actually, her baby brother. Right, yeah, her brother. Yeah, Miriam was her right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, women bad. would not have been had their stories told. Yeah, Ruth and Naomi like and yeah. Esther. Yeah, and Dan, 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 Deborah, Deborah. Yeah, even even the bad guys like Jezebel. Mm-hmm. I highly doubt would have gotten quite the starring roles <laughs> from male authors at the time. Unless it actually happened. And was an act of God. And or was like an act what of God. Was a, yeah. Was yeah, edited s- by God. Yeah. Someone, some holy divine project manager was like, this is a relevant story that needs to be written down. Hmm. All right. So here's, an, here's another one. The Bible satisfies man's scientific sense, which requires that the universe has a point of beginning in time. And he has this examples, the ever-expanding universe... The rate of change of uranium to lead. Talking about half-lives. He is. He actually is. The orderly universe could not possibly have evolved by chance. The second law of thermodynamics rules that out, (laughs) as do the calculations of mathematics. The Bible makes scientific investigation possible because the physical universe is orderly. That's true, actually. Wow. So I had to go online and do some research on the changing of um, uranium to lead. Basically, it's how rocks are dated. Yeah. Our age. Carbon dating. Yep. Well, no, it isn't carbon dating. It's not carbon, carbon dating. Carbon dating is for things that were once alive. Oh. Where is as uranium dating, I guess you would call it. It would be like elemental decay. It would be, is, is like rocks. A lot Don't. of rocks used to be alive. Oh. oh. What? Well, like, if you think of sedimentary rocks, that's, like, plants and stuff that was smushed down into layers. We're getting way off topic here, (laughs) but I'm just really trying to sound smart by accessing the limited education that I have. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Anyway, the whole point of the whole, um, the rate of change of uranium to lead leads scientists to conclude that the Bible had, or that, sorry, the Bible, the world had... A, um, a point of beginning in yeah. time. That's all I'm trying to say. Whew, that was hard. Okie dokie. Like we said, he was a scholar. Mm. He liked to know things and learn things. <laughs> By the way, um, the second law of thermodynamics, in case you were wondering, was. states that entropy, which is often thought of as simple disorder, yeah, will chaos. always increase within a closed system. Ultimately, this is one of the key elements dictating an arrow of time in the universe. Okay, so in a in a system that like in a closed in system like the universe, right? Presumably, things will get more messed up as time goes on because there's not space for right. things to move out, which is the opposite of and, evolution. And that oh, interesting, because that's not what's happening here, right? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, cool. Okay, <laughs> carrying on. Okay. Okay, number six. The authors of the Bible wrote far beyond the learning of their time. They were inspired to write by the Spirit of God. For example, in Genesis, um, I had to look up where this was in the Bible. He just he just <laughs> he listed literally these just puts like bullet points. So he put blood circulation. Apparently, the Bible writers knew about blood circulation. Well, sure enough, it's in Genesis. Um, the Way earth being a sphere. 
Oh, yeah, they were a bit ahead of their time on that. Which you'd also think, you would also think that by the time Isaac Newton, Isaac Newton, Galileo, Galileo, you'd think that by the time Galileo, Galileo, (laughs) Isaac Newton, you'd think by the time Galileo rolled around, I mean, I mean, the religious authorities were the ones that were like, no, the earth is flat, but it's in the Bible. Well, apparently apparently the the Hebrew word, which I can't remember right now, um, has it could be translated circle so i guess you could see it as a disc but really if you like it's more often meant used as a sphere a sphere yeah that's just silly that's what happens when you make sure that the scripture is written in a language that not everyone can understand (laughs) i'm looking at you 14th century ish um, number of stars. Apparently, the Bible talks about that too. Um, when I, at, at one time they were, it was thought that there were a, a set number of stars. Interesting, or, mm-hmm. huh? Uh, number seven. The Bible satisfies my demand for the verification of the supernatural of which I am intuitively aware. God has written the law of nature in man's heart. Philosophers have called this our moral ought which presses in us on us from outside our physical experience. So, in other words, uh, well, not in other words, but for an example, why does every culture in the world consider murder wrong? Uh, because it is in, inalienable, inalienable. It's a no-fly zone. It's something that's been printed kind of in our moral code that most people have. The moral code. That's exactly right, and that's 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 uh, that supernatural uh, law mm-hmm. of ma- of God that is written in on our, on our hearts. Yeah, yeah. It, number eight says, outside of the principles of this book, confusion mm-hmm. reigns. Mm-hmm. One one theory after another is put forward, but the Bible stands absolutely unchanged. No change has ever been made in the text. That I'm going to tentatively disagree with because I would argue that some of the translations mm-hmm. have changed or redirected the purpose of the argument or the purpose of the statement like um, the statement that like if I, of course I can't think of a specific passage but um, the language that excludes women um, by just saying, like, all men, blah, blah, blah. Um, that okay, so an example of what you're talking about is in one of the Pauline letters, um, someone named Julia has been changed to Julian. Yes, because um, they were like, it, that can't that, be that a lady. Be, right? It couldn't possibly that be a woman. Be, yeah, exactly. Okay. So I will say that I think that's not necessarily true uh, in terms of content. Yes. In terms of semantics... Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll give you that. Um, there is there is no significant theological principle that has been changed. Uh, yes. I think I can concede to that. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Great. <laughs> You're my, my dad will be so happy. Uh, well, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying <laughs> no, to I, make to sure be, we're covering our bases. And I think we want to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, What's he going to do? Number nine is. It has never been proven inaccurate. Mm. The efforts of mankind down through the centuries to discredit the Bible have all failed. The Bible, as ancient as it is, stands historically, 
chronologically, scientifically, and prophetically correct to this very moment in time. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I don't know that there are any other holy books that couldn't say that. Well, and I, I, because there's a contrarian in my head, I hear someone somewhere going, well, of course, the prophecies are also terribly vague, but God didn't want us to know everything. We're going to talk about prophecy. And when you look at them all together, a lot of the vagaries go oh, away. Oh, sure. But I mean, like, a lot of religions have given a, like, the earth will end, the rapture will happen, whatever, mm-hmm. on this day at this time. The Bible straight up says only God knows. Yeah. And I think part of that is a mechanism of faith. Mm-hmm. We are expected to have faith. Mm-hmm. Um, another kind of wonky one is that um, the prophecies, I think it was Jeremiah, um, the prophecies of Jesus' birth that there would be some some savior to deliver God's chosen people from oppression, basically, they all thought it was going to be a political savior mm-hmm. rather than a spiritual savior. And I would argue that that vagary or that potential misunderstanding was there so that when religious leaders were challenged, it would come down to what was in their hearts and like their pride rather than just their understanding of the scripture. I don't know if I articulated that clearly, so we can move on. But Okay. Yeah. I'm not totally sure I followed you, but that's hopefully, fine. Hopefully someone out there did. That's fine. Okay. Um The account of the manner in which the Bible manuscripts were preserved through the centuries and their most remarkable confirmation in uniformity of text are most impressive. The manuscript evidence is overwhelming. That's true. And one of the things that makes it more overwhelming is the number of regimes throughout history that have tried to stamp the Bible out of mm, existence. Yeah. The So, I like to make clothing, and lately I've been super into historical clothing. So, everyone wore clothing in the Middle Ages, let's say 14th century. Mm-hmm. And literally every person do you know how many extant patterns exist? Almost none. Mm-hmm. Everything is reliant on portraiture. There must have been so many patterns kicking around because everyone needed clothing or like hmm. some kind of illustration, something to pass down the knowledge of how to cut mm-hmm. these garments. Not a I single one they exists. they were pretty simple, at least for sure. the peasant Well, types. yes, for the peasant types they would have been, but still... It's not something that you would just necessarily be expected to know. You would reference something. So that's kind of a, a great, great example. Example yeah. of like how bizarre that the Bible was so well preserved. I mean, mm-hmm. A lot of people gave their lives to make sure that they were preserved. Yeah, but something yeah. as commonplace and presumably as well as well documented as how to make clothes that everybody needs mm-hmm. is virtually gone mm-hmm. from that era. But something. 1,300 plus years earlier still exists. Huh. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually um, far more ambiguity on um, the um, accuracy of Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. We're not sure Shakespeare actually wrote it because we're not sure he had the education to do so. Then there is on the on The, the authorship of yeah. books of the Bible. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. We're only on 11 and this might be our last one. But who knows? Maybe we'll 
we won't do a part two, but we'll maybe do another um, podcast on the rest of these. if uh, Sometime, yeah. If we want to. Okay, so the 11th reason is one of the most convincing pieces of evidence of the absolute reliability of the Bible is the total accuracy of the prophecies contained therein. Every prophetic prediction has come to pass just as it was written so long ago. This could not happen by chance. Now, I just thought it would be interesting to just look at the prophecy surrounding Jesus' birth as an example sure. of this, okay? So, um, the first use of the fulfillment phrase mentioned above, above, above what? <laughs> um, let's just go with um, one of the best known prophecies in the Bible. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So, virgin conceived. Mm -hmm. That's Matthew one twenty three. In reference to the birth of Jesus, Matthew cited a specific prophecy from Isaiah made more than 700 years earlier. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a, a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that is Isaiah 7.14. And then just as foretold, the, the Virgin Mary did indeed conceive and bore a son who is called Emmanuel. This amazing event demonstrates God's infinite knowledge and power. He's capable of foretelling the future with absolute precision. Um, he has the power to bring his prophecies to pass, even if that means a virgin would have to conceive and bear a son. After Christ's birth, the Magi arrived in Jerusalem. Herod gathered the chief priests and scribes and asked them where the Messiah was going to be born. And that's recorded for us in Matthew 2.3. And they responded by citing an Old Testament prophecy, pinpointing Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Christ. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And that it was from uh, Micah that they took that. And then... There was Herod's murderous response of slaughtering all the baby boys in Bethlehem. And that led to a fulfillment of three more prophecies. This First, this tragic massacre uh, was in Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Reach, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are no more. Um, you know, there are so many others uh, out of... Out of Egypt, I call my son, mm -hmm. is in Hosea. And we know that, uh, that uh, Joseph took Jesus to Egypt to keep him safe when all those babies were slaughtered. So, it, you know, there's just so many. There's a lot. It's a lot. And when you put them all together, it, it uh, creates a remarkable profile that would be like, what could Jesus say, you know? <laughs> Ta-da! I guess we better go to Egypt, you know, yeah. when he's like two years old. Yeah, when he is an infant. And, of course, he had no control over, um, you know, anything like what his, how he would be named or, mm -hmm. yeah, where he would be born. So. Yeah. Or the uh, legitimacy of his, his fatherhood. Yes. Quote, unquote, fatherhood. Quote, unquote, yes. Yeah. Legitimacy, quote, unquote. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's some really great um, reasons to believe in the Bible. So yeah. if you've had some doubts in your mind, um, yeah, or you know somebody who has, you could pass this along to them. Share you should it. really publish this somewhere because I think this would be really helpful to someone. That can be an off-air conversation, but um, <laughs> we will uh, let you know if we do manage to publish this somewhere. In the meantime, please do be sure 
Hmm. Do be sure to like, share, and subscribe mm-hmm. if you found this helpful. Uh, and for today, I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to grow on the go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 